All right, Justin, sing me a song that makes you think of dead people. Makes me think of dead people. Uh, da na na na, da na na na, da na na na, da na na na, da na na na. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together ooky, the Adams family. Da na na na. There you go. All right, Justin, I'm at a conundrum here. I don't want to give you a point for that because all the Adams families are like they're they're alive. But I do love me some Adams family. So I just find and that I mean, song they, utterly delightful. Yes. And they do deal with dead things, I mean, dead I guess. people, corpses. There's corpse <sighs> jokes. There's Yeah. It's kinda in there. And but I do I love me some Adams family. Like the old school comics. And man, those those uh Raul Julia movies are fucking fantastic, both of them. Yeah, they're great. All right, Justin, you get a point. Did you see that cartoon that came out, re- that, that animated Man, one? I want to talk about that fiery piece of shit. Oh, it sucked. <laughs> that makes me sad. It, it does, Suck. because it's like Charlize Theron as Morticia and Oscar Isaac as Gomez. Like, it should have been fantastic. Nick Kroll as oh. Buster. It should have been an utterly fantastic movie. No, it sucked so bad. Oh, that no. makes me sad. That, like it didn't, really it didn't feel like that. those movies. Okay. It didn't feel like the comics. It didn't even feel like the old TV series. It just, it felt like the Adams, the third Adams Family movie, which had Tim Curry Ugh. as Gomez, which should have been fantastic, but it wasn't. That's what it felt like. Was that the Tim Curry one? I know Tim Curry played Gomez at one point. I don't know if it was that. Anyway, oh, it's so bad. It's just that's what it felt like. It just, it didn't feel right. And I'm super sad because did you guys hear about that Netflix series that's coming out? Yes, I heard about it. I saw like a little rumor thing. About yeah. Wednesday and like her time mm-hmm. at the oh. Nevermore Academy and she solves, I don't know, mysteries or some shit. And I wish I was joking. Right. I know I said that as like it sounded like I was making that up. No, that's dead serious what it's supposed to be. But I'm like, and I'm kind of excited about it. But then at the same time, it's like a Tim Burton directed thing. And it instantly oh. makes me think it's going to suck so bad. <laughs> It did sound interesting, though. I'll give you that. It's just going to have Johnny Depp in it for no goddamn reason. I was about Probably. to say, is Johnny Depp in it? <laughs> Johnny Depp's going to be in it, and so is Professor Ava Green. Professor Weirdo or something, it's yeah. Ava Green. Uh, A teacher or something. Helena Bottom Carter and Johnny Depp are going to be in this movie, and it's for no fucking reason. Oh, Ava Green is or on that list TV now? TV show. No, because she started doing some stuff with him lately. Oh, okay. I know she did that Mrs. Pettigrew's home of imaginary peoples or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah that one that movie sucks fucking hardcore too <sighs> anyway and now i'm all sad <sighs> all right heather your turn what's a song that reminds you of dead people um i can only think of it in relation to this movie um i always feel like somebody's watching me Ooh. Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> You're debating I, it. I don't feel it. And well, it's probably because Rockwell's not singing it. I am. I know, but I don't feel it. I can hear the Rockwell version. Don't get me wrong. I know that song. I can hear it in my head. I just, I don't know if I feel dead people with it. Yeah, it's very in this. relation to this movie, though. Yeah, it's still, I don't know. And I hate to do this, but Justin, you gotta be a tiebreaker <laughs> again. This is like the third time in a row Heather's done this to me. Justin, what's your vote? Oh, boy. Man, I'm like, okay, do I immediately think dead people when I hear that? 
And the answer to that would be no. But Bummer. if you apply it to the logic of the boy in this movie, he would. He does <laughs> have a sixth sense that allows him to feel, to know and have intuition and know when, when these dead people are watching him. So it can fit in a way. <laughs> It only applies to this movie with dead people. I understand. So, but I'm, still. Torn. Yes or no so I'm torn. I'm torn. I can't give a yes or no. Therefore, she can't get a point because I'm torn. I'm half and half on this one. <laughs> that's well, fine. I, can't give I get her, it I only applies to this. Yeah. So there you yeah, go. I feel like that's half credit. I feel like it's half credit. I'm sorry, Heather. It's okay. I'll recover sometime, hopefully. Well, unfortunately, I don't give half credit, so therefore zero points for Heather in this episode. <laughs> shocking. Very shocking. <laughs> what was the right answer? Tell us the right answer. This was totally a setup for Justin because you were supposed to sing any Rob Zombie song or any white oh, zombie God. song for that matter. <laughs> I mean, I could have. Living Dead Girl. It's yeah. right there. Yep. I could have. I'm mad I didn't go that way. Yeah, this was totally a setup for you to do your bullshit with Rob Zombie and me. And you didn't even Would it take have it. counted if I sang Let the Bodies Hit the Floor? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have worked. I should have gone with that one. All right. I want to hear you do that, though, Heather. So go ahead and try it. Let's see. <laughs> no, no. I already. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> uh, if you do it, you'll get it. the point. If you I do it, Heather, it. You, get, you get it. Or hear it. Come on, Heather. I'm not going to be able for to. That. <laughs> it's too much pressure. I'm not going to be able to nope. do it. Yeah, we're not moving at, along at all until this happens. No, you can't do that to me. I already said I, I concede. I nope, I will. <laughs> we are waiting until you do this. You could be waiting a long time because I, I refuse. Well, I'm not budging <laughs> at all. One iota. This is not my forte. I don't, I don't it like this. It does not matter. <laughs> this has to happen. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna. It's gonna be bad. Well, I am sorry to all the cinefans out there because this is gonna be like a 15 minute intro while we sit and wait on Heather. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it right. Then I'll say the words, but I'm not gonna do it right. I don't care. I want to. I want to hear the Heather interpretation of this shit. <laughs> oh, okay. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. That's all I got. Oh, I thought she was going to do the growl. <laughs> I can't. That's the part I can't do. <laughs> I'm going to sound like a Muppet trying to do it. So, no. <laughs> yeah. Now that makes me want to hear that even more. Uh, no. No. <laughs> One, nothing wrong with me. Two, nothing wrong with me. That's the same song, right? Three, yeah. nothing wrong with me. Something's got to give. Two, something's got to give. Yeah! <laughs> Let the body sit the floor. Let the body sit the floor. Let the body sit the floor. Um, See, you can do it. You got you got the growl going. You can do it. Corn had a good one too, didn't they? Dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, I like that. Wait, song. who was that? Corn. Corn. Oh. K o r n. Dead yeah. bodies everywhere. You really want me to be a good son. Why you make me feel like no one. Dead bodies everywhere. Dead bodies everywhere. Dang, man. Oh, I need my. to go back and listen to them. Used to jam to them a lot. Freak on a Leash okay. and Issues were amazing albums. Yeah. Amazing. 
I know, like, Freak on a Leash, like, that that album or whatever. If I don't remember if that was the name of the album, but I just know, you know, that was the big song off of it. But, like, I do think, like, while that was a good album and everything like that, I loved Issues. Issues was fucking a great album. Mm. Yeah. Which I might have to go buy that now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you're going to go buy that. Yeah, I opened, yeah. I opened some kind of chaos right now. My bad, guys. He's going to buy it while we're on the Shimbalon. Oh, I'm going to buy it <laughs> while our intro music's going. <laughs> the funny thing is, is like when Heather did, you know, let the bodies hit the floor. Uh, Follow the Leader was the name of the album that uh, Freak on a Leash was on, by the way. Uh, but like when Heather was doing like brought up Drowning Pool and uh, all of that. Uh, it's really funny because I actually bought a song off that album not that long ago. It's just funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And so, yeah, Dead Bodies Everywhere, by the way, is on the Follow the Leader album. And My just, question is, do I get the point? <laughs> I mean, I guess so. You, you you did that. Yeah. So it'll count. The growl would have been two, but I'll settle for one. That's oh, fine. you would have gotten I'm like gr- 20 points if you had done like the... <laughs> The full thing. The growl. Oh, man. All right. Maybe I'll that work on my growl the, and do it next time. That would have been the greatest moment in Cinema it would have been. if Heather was on here. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been our greatest moment if she would have done that, man. Me trying to growl sounding like a Muppet would have been the greatest thing. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't see anything wrong with Justin's logic. Because <laughs> you can't half-heartedly do that. If you had really given that <laughs> some, the, your effort, entire effort... And really just kind of, you know, let the bodies. I mean, I would have just lost it. It would have been <laughs> over. I just would have just stopped the record oh. button and said, just put that, just Sterling, just stop it. Put that on there. I mean, we're done for like, tonight. We, like, we do all that and then just go, yeah, Heather likes the movie Sixth Sense. It's one of her favorite. I mean, we all kind of <laughs> like it and we're done, possibly forever because we're not going to like, Get this, we peaked exactly. We'll oh never be able to follow that, so it's over. Like every Some other episode after that, would have just been us just like trying, <laughs> like and failing constantly to reach that peak again. Exactly, it would have all been for naught. Oh man, well, but I you really messed this one up. So, I guess now we have to talk about six cents. Maybe I'll surprise you next time. Yeah, uh huh. Here's the music. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Slayers. Hey, Cinefins, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are doing one of Heather's essential movies. Like I said, we are doing The Sixth Sense. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with that movie. And just for everybody's information and well-being, I bought Corn's Issues already. So there we go. Nice. 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 Um, so on that note, like I said, we will do a, or like I always say, we will do a spoiler free section, then go to recommendations and scores, and then go into a more spoiler centric section afterwards with time codes 
below to help you jump around if you need to. Starting this off, as always, when we do an episode like this, though, is Heather, because it's your movie. Go. All right. So a little non-spoilery, which, I mean, at this point, hopefully nothing would really spoil anything. But um, I put this on my list because I feel like it's really a fantastic example of how to do a suspense thriller movie that actually tells a story well. And it actually does have those moments of, whoa, like it has a great, it has a great twist moment. It has really great acting. It has a succinct storyline. It has, it has a lot of really great stuff in it. And I just think that the um, performances are so great. This actually might be one of my favorite uh, Bruce Willis performances, but yeah, just the the whole way that they tell the story and the fact that they're able to pack so much into the runtime of this movie without it seeming overloaded or, um, you know, it just, they really pace it well. And it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those that you watch it and this movie just sticks with you. And I just, I mean, I remember specifically watching this in theaters and it was just like, I had never seen anything like it before and it was so good. And it's, I mean, there's just so many moments in it that really uh, just stand out and that you remember, you know, there's just classic scenes from it at this point that you're like, everybody knows what you're talking about. And um, I just, I don't know. I think it, um, it tied in a lot of things that they try to do throughout the movie really well. And it's easily for me, one of the most rewatchable like suspense movies because once you know what's going on, you you go back and watch it and you just pick up on more things every time. So it's great. I, I just really, I've always really enjoyed this movie. I remember not being able to stop talking about it after I watched it. And man, it was just good. I mean, it's just one of those that it, it did such a good job of that. Um, I don't know, of just that reeling you in the entire time and making it to where you're, you're invested pretty much from the beginning and throughout the entire movie. There's not really a, a scene in it that like you lose interest or anything like that. And I just really, I, I just love how well crafted this story was and how well they just really made this movie. So that is why it's on my list. Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah. So this was a fun revisit because I really had not seen this movie since I saw it in theaters. So I never went back and watched it a second time or anything like that. But I had always heard just about how fun it is to go back and watch this for a second or third time and see what you can catch or, you know, and, and thinking about, oh man, you know, they gave you clues here and there and kind of picking the movie apart and everything like that. And I can say that a lot of that was enjoyable to do this time. And there is a rewatchability to this where you're especially, you know, if you're watching it with someone who hasn't seen it and you're sitting there kind of putting it together and everything like that. So I enjoyed revisiting this and seeing what I missed and the clues that I didn't pick up on and then kind of appreciating things more and things like that. And one thing that I definitely walked away with after watching this is that. Uh, you know, I, if I remember correctly, when this was being advertised, 
it was kind of advertised as like a scary movie, right? Like, like you would see these scenes and they kind and the way it was cut um, on some of the previews that I saw, you know, it really gave you the vibe that you were going to go in and this was going to be like a horror kind of scary movie. Yeah. And even it was, though it, it was definitely like a suspense horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember. And what is kind of remarkable about this film is that even though, yes, it does have some of those elements, um, but that, but like Heather said, that's not really what this is. It's more of a suspense thriller with, with, with some sprinkles of horror elements thrown in. But even though it takes a long time to get to those, let's say, horror elements, the acting is so well done in this movie. And the characters are so compelling and the story is so good that it keeps you there, even though you're not getting what it advertised for the first 45 or so minutes of it. And that was something I kind of walked away with. I was like, man, this is a, a, a compelling story without any of that. And then once uh, Shyamalan starts sprinkling that into the narrative and everything like that, it all works. It all goes together. And there are some, like, I think, genuinely kind of scary moments or imagery that I think works on that uh, horror level, even though the film doesn't really quite ever, like, dedicate to that or say that's what it is, or it never really takes that identity. It just kind of gives you a little bit of that. But this still worked incredibly well. Um, and I mean, going back, and just looking at the, to not to say too much about it, but just going back and looking at the plot twist of it and the acting that was done and how well it was executed and just how well crafted the story was, it really does just make you think about where Shyamalan must have been then and then what has kind of become of his career now and everything like that. <laughs> um and ultimately, it's almost like I almost want to say that, the, you know, sometimes there's the, the phrase, was the movie too good or was it just and I don't know, it's almost like this movie is like the most like ironic movie ever, because in a way, Shyamalan kind of even though this movie is about a sixth sense and this is about a boy who has this innate ability this sense to see things that aren't there to see people that aren't there in a way it's almost like Shyamalan gave his audience a sixth sense when it comes to the plot twist so while this is the greatest thing he's ever done because it propelled him to stardom and everything like that there's another side to this story where it's like it might have also been the the very thing that hurts him because then there was pressure to give you this every time and who could live up to that so i don't know this i just all, had all kinds of reflections thinking about this movie so not only is it great not only is it uh, arguably one of the the greatest kind of suspense thriller horror element movies like this but it also might be like the greatest double-edged sword for a filmmaker ever. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the sixth sense in all of its greatness and glory, if you ask me. <laughs> well, I'm with you on this, Justin, because I do think the sixth sense is what hurts M. Night Shyamalan. 
And I believe that because he catfished us with this movie. You watch this movie, <laughs> and for the most part, you think, hey, this guy knows how to craft a mystery. This guy knows how to do a twist. This guy knows how to, like, build tension. And then whenever he does have the twist, it makes sense. It it flows with what has been set up. And it genuinely pays off. And he's never fucking done that again, ever. He's none of those things. He's not a good director. He's not a good writer. <laughs> he's not a good, you know, twist guy. He's not good at suspense. He's not good at a damn thing other than tricking Hollywood into giving him money after money after money to allow him to keep doing this bullshit. <laughs> and it's all because of this movie. He deserves zero accolades, but he gets them because of this movie. Because this movie tricked us into liking him. This this movie is like like the progenitor of a guy's career of just utter, utterly failing upwards to a degree that I'd say we've never seen before in the history of humanity. But this movie, though, no, it's good. I found some plot holes in it in this go around. But I mean, it's they're small. They're fine. The movie, the movie can overlook them or you as an audience member can overlook them. I can't overlook the bullshit in signs. Can't overlook the bullshit <laughs> in the village. I, I sure as fuck can't overlook the bullshit in Lady in the Water. Ugh. Everybody knows my stance on the bullshit of The Visit, which fuck both of you guys for betraying me on that episode too. I hate you both. <laughs> anyway, this man really did something great with this movie. He really did. I fell into the same trap as everybody else. I thought he was a good director when I watched this movie. It was afterwards when I found out he wasn't. But I get it. There's a lot here to make you think that this guy can write. This guy can direct. This guy knows how to build tension. But I think, because this was before Bruce Willis gave up on trying to act. Like, <laughs> he still cared about acting when he did this movie. You know? And Haley Joel, Joel Osment is what probably the greatest child actor ever in this movie. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's one of the best child performances, I think, ever. Yeah. Honestly. Which is why he got an Oscar nom for it. I mean, to me, yeah. it really is up there with Abigail Breslin and Little Miss Sunshine. Because I mm -hmm. think that that's almost a flawless performance, too. But Yeah, that's, a, that's another top one. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, a lot of kid performances just aren't that good. And, but I mean, this... This right here is a solid performance from anybody of any age. It really, truly is. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I totally get it. And like watching this again now, it's just unbelievable how good he was so young. Yeah. You know, and it makes me feel bad that he got fucked over by Hollywood because he grew out of being a cute little kid. Because I bet we could Even though gotten, he looks the same. He Well, he oh, that's kind of the problem, is he looks like that as an adult. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He kind of looks like a small child still, with a beard. He looks like a small <laughs> child who put a beard on and is sitting on another <laughs> child's shoulders with a trench coat. <laughs> right. You know, and it makes me feel bad for him a little bit. But, I mean, I really do think if, uh, if Hollywood hadn't, hadn't have fucked him over with all that stuff, I bet we would have gotten, he would have just been like, 20 years of just nonstop amazing performances. But I mean, and that's not to say I've seen some stuff with him, uh, with him in it now and he's not bad. He's still got it. 
I just think, like I said, I, th I think I think he got just disenfranchised and jaded with everything, you know. And so he's now coming back into it. But I mean, his performance in this is fucking great. Bruce Willis, honestly, to me, is just kind of okay in this movie. You know, he's outshined is the problem. He he hits the right notes when he needs to, but it very much feels like you know, like he's a jazz musician that's literally playing the notes on the page. He's not playing the song. He's just playing the notes. Haley Joel Osment's fucking writing the shit. It's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> and it's it's Don't, funny because I say that it's my like one of my favorite Bruce Willis performances, but maybe just because of the character he's playing is a little bit different than most of the other ones. So I don't know. Maybe that just is why it stands out to me. Yeah. I mean, and also maybe it's because his hair looks weird. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't <laughs> it buy it. It could be that. Yeah. Uh, Tony Collette is amazing in this though. Like oh, yeah. Tony Collette in this movie shows all the signs of why she's an amazing actress like this early on. If anybody was paying attention, you knew Tony Collette was going to be gold mm -hmm. whilst watching yeah. this movie. Cause she fucking just nails it. And, and I, and I forgot like how good she was. Cause it's been a while since I've seen this. I've seen this mm. multiple times, uh, more so way back in the day. Like when it came to HBO, I probably watched it like 20 times on HBO. Uh, and Same. I did see, I did see it in theaters, you know, but it's been a while since I've seen it. And I think it's because I became disenfranchised with M. Night Shyamalan. And I just, you know, so I didn't want to go back to this one, but I always remembered that I liked it. Uh, when we, when you guys did the Hollywood endings episode and the, and the, you know, we had recorded a version of that with me before that. And I know I talked at like a long length about this movie at the end of it. It's because the twist and the end and everything is so good in this movie. And I think, I think more so actually what is so much better about the ending that I didn't put into account before. I think the best part about this ending is Haley Joel Osment's conversation with his mom. Yep. Like when I watch it now, that was my favorite part of the ending. I really didn't care about the whole Bruce Willis as a ghost thing. Yeah. I just loved the both of the performances we got between like Haley Joel Osment and the mom in that car. Everything about that scene was so raw and and poignant and touching and just greatness. And I'm getting dangerously close to spoilers, so I think I'll stop. Uh, so let's go to recommendations and scores. You know what? I'll start this one off. I never do. I never give my score in anything first. Uh, I want to try it once. I want to see how it feels. So uh, this movie has good performances. It has great performances by Haley Joel Osment and Tony Collette. It's got, like I said, a very just good performance from Bruce Willis. It's got some other people in the movie you know, and I guess their performances are good. I don't really know much to compare it to, but, you know, they're there. But I mean, those are the main three, you know, and you've got M. Night Shyamalan as a doctor. So fuck him for thinking that he's worth anything. And uh, other than that, I like the pacing of this movie. I do agree with something Heather said earlier, where it, it packs a lot into an hour 47. When I was just thinking about the movie before I rewatched it again and all that happens in it, I was like, oh, that movie's easily two hours and 15 minutes. It's not at all. Hour 47. So it packs a lot in it, but at the same time, doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel crowded. It just knows how to get, it knows how to get to the pace it needs to be and maintains it because this is a very good pace for suspension. 
and and like for the 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 suspense the the tension it's very good it, it gets that perfect pace for that and and it's done really well and i mean come on this movie has one of the most iconic lines ever you know people that have never seen this which is there anybody that's never seen this at this point in time like now in 2021 is there anyone in the history of the universe that hasn't seen six Sense now but even if you haven't, you know the line. Everybody knows the line. Um, I'll give this movie 85. Everybody knows the line out of 100. Justin, go. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you as far as I mean, I don't know who hasn't seen this movie. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how somebody with the mindset of the day of today watches this. Because... Part of that double-edged sword that I was kind of talking about with Shyamalan, I think, too, is that he conditioned us to look for the plot twist after he made this movie. And nowadays, just the 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 movie and TV watcher now is way different than the movie and TV watcher was then. And there are so many resources and everybody has so many rumor meals and secrets. And we saw these people on set or I looked at the casting and, you know, everybody just knows everything now before the movie even comes out and even after it. So it's so hard to surprise in today's society or it's so the reactions are so immediate and you can get negative reactions so quickly that I don't even know if a movie like this could even would even like move the needle today because we're just so conditioned to look for the plot twist or want or or think it's coming or think we know what the answer is or whatever. You know, we're just like that now, but we're like that because of movies like this. So back to that double edged sword. But if you haven't seen this, then, then definitely I recommend it because you, you have to know why this is considered. This is on a lot of lists as one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm not making that up. It's it's there. You will probably find it. If you go get one of those books, the, the movies you got to see before you die. This is one of them. It's usually listed. Um, and there's a reason for that. And even if you have seen it, it's fun to go back and just appreciate things that you didn't appreciate the the first time. Some of the themes that are in this are some really heavy, thought provoking themes about communication and, you know, what you believe and uh, seeing what you want to see. And, uh, you know, the things that we sometimes do to ourselves and um avoiding or not seeing the truth. You you know, there's a lot of great stuff in here. So I think even if you have seen it, there are reasons to go back and watch this and enjoy it because it's just one of those movies that I really do think gets you to think, not just about the plot, but what it was trying to say. So yeah. Uh with that being said, I'll give it 88 um convenient videotapes that tip off how you actually died out of a hundred. <laughs> Heather, what about you? So nineteen ninety nine was actually for me a year of some of my favorite movies. Um Ten Things I Hate About You, The Green Mile, and this movie. I just think that it was a great year for movies, but 
And I just think that, I mean, just some of the greatest performances I've seen were from movies of that year for some reason. But yeah, I, um, I, this is definitely the movie that made me fall in love with Tony Collette's acting for sure. Um, I think she might play the most believable single mom on a movie that I've ever seen. Um, she was so great in every emotion that she had, everything she said, every action she had. She was amazing. Um, I'm not sure that she actually got much credit for this movie. I don't even think she, yeah, I don't even think she was really recognized very much, but granted Haley Joel Osment really steals it in this movie. Like I totally agree. Sterling, I think that it's one of the greatest performances definitely from a child, but of a lot of, a lot of performances, it's one of the best. So he just, I don't know what it is. There's just something about every line he delivered, every emotion he had on his face, everything he did was perfection in this movie. And it's, it's insane. I'm just like, how do you have that much talent and ability to just kind of naturally do this and it be so believable. It's insane. And Bruce Willis. Yeah, I agree. He was outshined definitely, but I still think for whatever reason, like I just really liked him in this movie. There was something about how he was very calming and very like a gentle spirit and very, um, I don't know, kind of like more raw emotion in this performance than I've seen in a lot of his other films. And so I think that's why I really liked him so much in this. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you just talk about, yeah, the probably my favorite twist of a movie that I've ever seen. But I mean, just everything leading up to it. And like, and I do love that you you go back and you look at things and you're like, see, right there, there it is. It was right there in front of you. And you just, it's, it's brilliant how it's done. And it's not without its flaws. I feel like I found a couple of things that I noticed that were sort of, plot holes and things like that, but it definitely did not take away from how great this movie is. And again, if it had been really kind of done any other way, or if it had been longer or different performances brought out from this movie, it wouldn't, it it had potential to really fall flat on its face. And it didn't because the performance elevate this movie so much but also the writing and directing is great in this, which is weird because you're right. It's like this movie is the exception and not the rule for M. Night Shyamalan these days, but it's, it's just so good. And he, yeah, he set himself up for failure by making his very first movie that he did really so good, (laughs) you know, and just, yeah, it it was just going to be hard to kind of really do anything on that level but yeah, it's, I, I think Jastin has a point too about like just <laughs> the complete like treachery almost of like what happened, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but regardless, it does not take away from how amazing this movie is. And for that, I mean, there's, there's just something there, you know, and um, I completely agree about what um, I know we're going to talk about it more in spoilers, but the car scene, that's absolutely one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. And definitely the part that I always let sticks with me more for sure. Um, 
But yeah, it's just, it's a powerful movie, but it's also just really, I don't know, there's just something about it that really, um, it draws you in, you know, it's just like, even if you've seen it a million times, which it seems like all of us have, it's still good. You're not just like, yeah, yeah, you've seen it once, you've seen it a million times. Like you still enjoy it. At least I did. And I think that that is just that that is the sign of a truly good movie. If you're able to watch it over and over and still think, man, this movie is so good. So, um, so yeah, that's mine. I'm going to give this, um, I was actually going to go 85, um, 85 ghost bikers standing next to the window out of a hundred. So spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird hearing that right after you talk, isn't it, Heather? <laughs> it's not that bad. Well, all right. So you will, you will, you'll, do you want to start us off with spoilers too? Since this is your episode. Um, you know what? I'm going to be a very kind person and you guys can go first or someone else can go first. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So we had talked a little bit before we started recording about how I think I noticed a plot hole like very early on in this movie. And so, and then Heather was like, yeah, I did too. And so now we're going to find out if it's the same like kind of plot hole. So the issue I found was the scene right after he gets shot, where it's like him sitting on the bench, like waiting for Haley Joel Osment's character to walk out of a door. He has like notes about this kid. Where did they come from? Like he knew the kid's name. He knew like date of birth. He knew like the kid's parents were divorced. He knew like a psychological history of the character the kid. How did he get any of that information? He's dead. Am you I want me the... to chime in here? Yeah. I was waiting for somebody. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. Um, that is pretty much the one I found too. Like my question was like, wait, who hired this guy? <laughs> How did he get hired to be the person that's talking to this kid? Like, <laughs> How does he know about him and who hired him to know this well, kid? I mean, technically nobody hired him. I think it's like in his ghost mind, he knew like apparently ghosts are attracted to this kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think that that's the logic there is that. Well, yeah, but I mean, from him. Right. But from a perspective of like, again, like he has notes on this kid. Oh, yeah. Where did he, where did it come from? It's like. Typically, that comes from a file that somebody gives you when they're like, hey, this is this kid's file. You should try to talk to him. Oh, yeah. No, you I, know? I, I completely agree with that. But like, so it's like that aspect of it. I'm saying like the reason why he's not thinking about, oh, wait, who hired me is because in his head, be, since he's attracted, like, or I don't want to say attracted to that child. That sounds drawn. terrible. But yeah, since he's drawn to want to help that kid or talk to that kid. That's like the otherworldly aspect of it, I guess. But I mean, I just don't know how yeah. he has a, like you said, how does he have a file of this kid? And then how is he sitting there and writing more notes in that notebook? Is that all, are they really chalking all of that up to ghosts just see what they want to see? Because that is a little lazy. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I totally get that. I'm just saying like from the audience perspective, it's like, wait. Where did he, where did this, not necessarily from him thinking who hired me, but just others being like, wait, who, who told this guy who this kid was like, yeah, but no, I, I totally get it. Yeah. It's like, it, it, that's completely the same plot hole. I was like, wait a minute, something's off here. Um, like, no, I, I think those are all 
good points. And I think you're actually right, Sterling. I think that the only real explanation uh, or and really it's not an explanation for that specifically, which is why I, it's valid as a plot hole. But the only real explanation we get is that whole thing about they see what they want to see. You know, he couldn't open that door and he couldn't see that there was stuff in the way of that door, in the way of that um door where he couldn't open it in um his wife's house. So there is some sense of him sort of manipulating, like it's like in his head, he didn't realize he was dead. So he's and it's just kind of that whole lesson about not willing to see the truth that's right in front of you, not willing to see what is there in plain sight because of your mindset, because of what you believe you are, whatever the case may be. And I think that's why he had those notes. He still thinks he's just this, you know, this uh, renowned psychiatrist doing this work for children and stuff. And he's drawn to the kid thinking, oh, I'm drawn to him because I'm trying to help him. And I've, I've, you know, I'm on assignment. I'm going to help this kid. I'm going to help him. But, you know, all of those ghosts were kind of drawn to that kid, or I guess people with sixth sense abilities, because, you know, the, the patient that, um, that killed Bruce Willis, yeah, I Donnie think Walbert. that they left the, yeah, they left enough clues that he also probably could do this too. He had a sixth sense, too. So, I mean, I think they're drawn to people that do this. And I guess just however, whatever delusion uh, that the ghost has within them, that somehow plays its way on to uh, the people that they're interacting with, I guess. But that's the only Mm -hmm. explanation we get. That's the closest thing that we get, like you said. Yeah, but it's really stretching it because it's like, oh, they only see what they want to see. So he sees case notes that are accurate. He sees accurate case notes. Like, what? Yeah, that's true. I mean, honestly, to me, that scene is kind of a bullshit fake red herring. It's there so the audience doesn't suspect the truth. Not because it actually makes sense in the movie. Yeah. I mean, and more to your point, Sterling, about that, like, you know, obviously the whole thing is Bruce Willis's character like hasn't moved on or anything like that because he feels like he has like that unfinished business. So maybe it's like because he feels like he has that because he failed this guy, the one that ended up shooting him. You know, he feels like he has this unfinished business and like that. Maybe that is why he's drawn to this kid. But you're right. It's kind of like a little lazy because you're like, it doesn't explain why you have all this information on him. And like, you know, yeah. So I, I completely get what you mean. I mean, the thing is, is I did think of a reason why he would have all that information, but the movie does a poor job of stipulating if that is the case. So what is possible is it's very obvious that this is happening relatively not too terribly long after he was shot, you know, like he died. Mm -hmm. This is what within a one or two year, you know, it's not too terribly long. So... With that, the only thought I have is that this was literally supposed to be a patient he got. Like, he got this patient and he got the case file right before he was shot. Hmm. So then he shot and then he died. But that's why he still had the notes. 
that's the only in-universe logical explanation that really works for me. But once again, the movie didn't tell us that. True. That would be, make sense though, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But since they didn't do that, I, I could be insanely reaching, you know. I could be just twisting stuff in my head to make a reason for it to make sense. Also, one thing that bothers me is every time he tries to go down into the basement, like the door's locked, you know, and or he thinks the door's locked. It's really because a table's in the way. Yeah. How is the table in the way going to stop a ghost? Like it's a ghost. <laughs> if, if, if they see what they want to see, why isn't he seeing that door just opening up for him? Because he's a fucking ghost. Like it makes no True. sense. Like why is he seeing a locked door when it's blocked by a table? What? He's a ghost. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) what? And I'm not going to lie. Like, looking at it now, being an adult, because I was, what, like a teenager or preteen or whatever, whenever this movie came out, looking at this as an adult, I am kind of mad that I got tricked by some of these scenes. Like, that scene, whenever he, he goes to dinner, like, when his wife's sitting there at dinner by herself, he's like, oh, I thought you meant the other Italian restaurant I picked, like, I proposed to you at. And it's like, why is his ghost brain imagining a conversation? And then, you know, that they had discussed their anniversary plans and all this shit. But like, he's sitting there and he's talking to her and all this other shit. And it's just so painfully obvious that they they framed it as he's not there. Like now. And I'm not picking it up as like, oh, I know the answer now. Like, I'm just talking about the way they frame the shots the way they have the actress look in like a certain direction and stuff like that. It's obvious that they're telling her, look past him. Don't look at him, look past him and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's very obvious from like a filmmaking perspective. And as like, as an adult who's had adult relationships that even when you're seriously mad at somebody, that's not how you act. (laughs) You still don't act that way. So it's just very kind of weird with all that, you know, Plus all the like the weird scenes where like Bruce Willis thinks she's cheating on him. And I'm like, motherfucker, this guy's like walking out of your house and getting in your his car. Like, and then like you're just thinking, oh, my wife just had another guy over. Let me yell at this guy for a little bit and just go inside the house and act like nothing happened. What? I understand. They've been the rules because it's like, oh, ghosts only know what they want to know and do what they want to do and say what they want to say. Oh, I really thought you guys would pick up Adam's was- family. Thank you. Thank you. I did that very much intentionally. Thank you, Justin. I was about to get sad that no one noticed the hard work I put into that. All right, Justin, you get another point now. You get another point. Oh, man. Nice. They he noticed I was doing the Adam Say Stanley what they want to say. Live how they want to live. Play how they want to play. Dance how they want to dance. The Adams family. Yeah, he got it. Nice. But, like, I get that that's the rules they set for ghosts, but it's it's a little bit too blankety. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a blanket rule to cover whatever sins they want to throw in this movie. And, well, overall, yeah. it bothers me. It did take me, what, 22 years for it to bother me? So <laughs> I can be a little forgiving of it. Yeah, because also it's like, if they see what they want to see, like, why wouldn't he be seeing that he and his wife are happy? You know what I mean? No, exactly. Like, why isn't he seeing her all happy and, like, trying to fuck him all the time or some shit? Like... 
also but you're right can we can we all not pretend like the at the beginning of the movie when it's all bruce willis is trying to act like he's an award-winning child psychologist who's drunk and about to fuck his wife is really awkward can we all admit that <laughs> i'm just saying that was yeah really it made me feel uncomfortable and <laughs> yeah but i mean they're, they're honestly like so much of this movie is so good because of Haley joel osmond and tony collette it's it's so good like that they they really make up for so much of the badness like i don't want to say badness but inconsistencies in this movie there's inconsistencies throughout this movie and i think those two just really really like oh god they hold it together yeah like they are the glue that binds this movie also you know how like tony collette is like a saint of a mother in this movie you want to know how you know that because she pours her kid a, like a bowl of cocoa puffs and then he doesn't <laughs> eat a single fucking bite of them and then she thinks he opened up every drawer and cabinet in the kitchen she didn't accuse him of it really she kind of does but like doesn't she doesn't completely flip out and then asks what he's looking for and he says pop tarts and the fact that she didn't go motherfucker you have a bowl of goddamn cereal sitting in front of you <laughs> you eat your shit she just goes yeah let me get you some fucking pop tarts before you leave the house without even touching this bowl of name brand not bag cereal that i'm right for you <laughs> And that's how you know she's yeah. an amazing mom. She was just she a fucking saint of a mother. If I, I would have gotten fucking slapped if I had even suggested additionally eating anything other than the Cocoa Puffs that were poured for me without having already <laughs> eaten that bowl. If I had eaten that whole bowl, I could request something else. <laughs> but I couldn't even yep. think of another food item if I hadn't eaten that bowl of cereal yet. I couldn't even <laughs> think. I wasn't even allowed to think of adding one additional cocoa puff to my bowl, a single cocoa puff more <laughs> than what was in my bowl until I finished it. And this kid got to think about and get Pop-Tarts? Come on. That's mother of the year type <laughs> shit right there. She just wants her kid to be happy. I mean, it's kind of irresponsible in junior, you know, teaching your kid to just ignore what, you know, the things that are provided and given to you just if you don't want it kind of a bad life lesson but i don't know the kids seemed kind of well adjusted and good i mean considering you know he as as a child he seemed fine you know other than the whole seeing dead people shit but just you know being a kid he seemed fine you know you know and she made up for it by making him leave the table without dinner later on so yeah but or you can also tell she's not american but by the way she phrased that whole thing which is like you've had enough roast beef you can go who says it like that? Who who would <laughs> say the specific entree? My parents were like, you've had enough Someone dinner. not from America. Why wouldn't you just say dinner? Like, because if, yeah. if I was the Haley Joel Osment kid and my parents said, you've had enough roast beef, I'm like, fine, I'm just going to eat the rest of my mashed potatoes then. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to eat That's my potatoes true. and corn then. I won't fucking eat any more roast beef. I wouldn't have said that as a kid, but I'd have been like, I'm okay, I'll just eat this. Or be like, hey, get me some Pop-Tarts then. <laughs> Anyway, um, Justin, what about you? Yeah, so some of the problems I have, I, I think, are on a similar wavelength to some of the things that you were saying. Like, I was just sitting there thinking of all these situations where may, maybe Bruce Willis's character should have realized 
that he was a ghost. Like, well, was he ever sitting on a couch and then she just sat down through him? You know, like like any of those things could have happened at any moment or he could have been standing there and he and she just walked right through him. He's standing there trying to talk to her and she just walks right through him and him be like, she went through me. So, you know, I don't know. I just you know, you just you're trying to picture him every day being in that house, having conversations with someone and that person ignoring them as if they're not there and him sitting in places, him trying to, you know, him interacting with things as if he's there and never noticing that she's just completely ignoring Kim. And yeah, I thought, uh, you know, I just was like, you know, would that be possible for that to, you know, would it be possible to every day for those number of days that he was there and going back there for this to happen, you know, and him not realize that this is happening. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you don't get a lot of, um, explanations other than he sees what he wants to see. And then like, kind of like what Heather said, well, how come, well, what is the limitation to the seeing? And I guess that's kind of what we're talking about. What is the limitation to that? Cause like you said, Heather, why couldn't he see his wife happy and them just okay? Or how come he wasn't hearing her say things back to him and be happy and then come to find out she never said those things or something, you know, how extreme is this seeing what they want to see? We don't really get that. You know, we get it with certain things, but we know it's not just physical things because there were other things that he couldn't see or, you know, or, or we know it wasn't just um, those things because then he was also, kind of thinking that she was talking to him or ignoring him or whatever. So, you know, there's a a, a broad range of the seeing what they want to see. Same thing with the notes. Did he imagine those notes? You know, uh, and maybe what that realization needed at the end was him to walk, you know, was to look at the notes that he normally has, or maybe he could have went in that bag and looked at the notepad and saw that there was nothing on it, you know, and even still, it's like, well, would that have completely explained away the whole seeing what they want to see? So I totally get that. You have to suspend some disbelief and really follow this to accept the entire premise at the end. So, I mean, I, I think that everything that you guys said is valid. And when you're watching it now, and I can't stress enough because we are different moviegoers than we were then. I think then this worked because you you just aren't looking for all of those things. You're not looking for a plot twist. You're not looking for these uh, and, and when you watch it the first time, the, the twist was so well done that you're just like shocked, like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. And they play back a few strategic scenes, but you know, you're not sitting there thinking about every scene just down to, uh, just down to the line going, well, this didn't make sense. That didn't, make, you know, maybe some people did, but I sure didn't. I, 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 I took kind of what the movie was at, face value and just kind of accepted it. But it is true. When you go back, you're like, man, there were just so many opportunities for him 
to realize he was dead and he just didn't for some reason. So, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I get I get the whole b- believability of the seeing what he wants to see. I think that there was some inconsistencies with that uh, for sure. So, yeah, that would definitely go um, in the dislikes for me. Uh, another thing, too, is that there had to have been a funeral for him, right? Like, how come some ghosts, like the grandmother that Haley Joe Osmond is talking about in the car, she was there at the funeral or um, or was there at the graveyard where the mom had visited and everything like that. So the grandmother would have had to have known because whenever the mom was like, uh, whispered the question or whatever, you know, were you all, were you ever proud of me? And she told Haley to tell her all, that I always was proud of her and which was a great moment. But if the grandmother was aware, if the grandmother could have been there, if the little girl was there at mm-hmm. her funeral and everything, how did Bruce Willis miss that? Like, you know, it's, it's just something to think about. What was he doing when the funeral was there for him? What were, where mm-hmm. was he when all the people must have been coming over saying, hey, we're so sorry that this happened? He's a world renowned, you know, or at least a locally renowned right. psychiatrist. There would have been hella people visiting after he died. There would have been hella parents of children yeah. visiting, going, hey, you know, I'm uh, you know, I'm I just wanted to come and show my support. And, you know, your husband was just such an inspiration to my child. He helped my child. Is there anything I can do for you? There would have been hell of people visiting, trying to console the wife if he had this kind of reputation, or at least you would think. So again, you know, there there are just a lot of things like that. A lot of details were, that's why I say now I don't think this would work as well, just because of how we watch movies now versus how we took some of those things in then. And again, you know, the see what he wants to see, I guess kind of, you know, it can help explain some of those things. But like you guys said, it, it, you, you can't explain everything away with that, you know, uh, especially when we're seeing other ghosts kind of go through these events and seem to be aware so how was he not? So it just raises a lot of questions in that um, regard, I think. Uh, as far as just some things that I like, though, because I don't want to end it there. Uh, as far as some things that I like, though, I just really appreciate it the second time through, like I kind of alluded to in the, the 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 non-spoiler, just a lot of the lessons that are, I think, are in here, like the 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 lesson uh, about communication was something that I just definitely noticed and kind of appreciated in this movie because that scene in the car I think why it's so great uh, of course the acting and you guys have already commented on Tony Collette's acting and Haley Joe Osmond which that which they are great in that scene and it's a knockout scene but I think from a writing just uh standpoint what is great about that scene is that there was kind of this break of communication with them. Like he 
didn't feel like he could really tell her about this sixth sense that he had and everything like that. So there was kind of this journey of that of Haley's character kind of getting to where he could make that connection with his mother. There was a disconnect there. Uh, Even though he had this connection with the dead, there was a disconnect with the living. And then on the other side of that, Bruce Willis was kind of the opposite, right? He lacked this connection to understand the truth about his death and the truth about him being dead and stuff like that. So the, you know, the contrast of those characters and them kind of on in, in a way, their connection helps them make these realizations and these connections with people that they're missing, you know, and, and, and the, and the things that they're missing. So I just wanted to kind of give a a kudos to that, you know, that is great. I think one of the great things about this movie, um, is that, so I just wanted to tout the movie for expertly doing that. And I think that that's another reason why, when you think about M. Night Shyamalan's career and everything like that, it just never got as crisp. It just never got as inspired as this movie was, you know, and and that's unfortunate, man. I mean, he's kind of like that athlete, you know, like, you know, the what separates the good athletes from the great is often consistency. It's not the one time or the sec- the two games or the three games you're great but it's being able to do that season after season, year after year. And he's kind of like that athlete who, you know, he's definitely a pro, definitely has the talent to be there. He made the team. He's there because he does have some skill. The the talent is there, but he only had just a couple of nights where he was special, only had just that one night where you know, he hit every shot and nobody could stop him. And he hit a record number of three pointers and he had a 60 point game and he just never quite did that again. So it's one of those where, yeah, it'll it'll be there in the record books. It might be in some team records for a time. And people will remember that night that he lit it up. But he just I don't but but he just never quite had that consistency to be called one of the greats. He had a great night, has some talent, but will he ever be considered great? And I don't know, man. I feel like that's what Shyamalan is. And this was his home run, man. This was that night. This was that 60 point night he had. And just, it's sad that he was never able to emulate that. And then he changed the way that we watched his movies at the same time. He conditioned us to then look for the plot twist. We missed it here. And that's what makes this movie a classic. We didn't see it. We weren't looking for it. We weren't expecting it. But with every one of his other movies after this, you go in with the expectation that it's going to be there. And he's got this pressure to deliver like that athlete that where every game after that is he is this going to be the 60 point night and we just never got that performance from him again sadly no i agree with a lot of that um heather what about you i definitely and just to kind of touch on what you were just talking about justin he m night Shyamalan is definitely i would say the most inconsistent 
uh, director and writer because I might be in the minority here, but I mean, I actually think he has at least three solid films. I think Sixth Sense, Signs, and Split are solid films. Um, I think he I has a couple. Yeah, I, I had, I mean, you know, maybe not perfect films. Definitely. They all have their flaws in some way, but they are solid films in my opinion. And he has a couple of good ones. I think Unbreakable is a fine movie. I think Glass is a good movie. Um, you know, I, I mean, he's got a few that are just okay, but, or I mean, a few that are good, but then there's a lot of real big misses. So um, it's not like he's an only a one hit wonder. Like it's not like Sixth Sense was the only good thing he did. In my opinion, it's definitely the best by far that he's done. But I really think Signs was great. I really liked Split, which is that was years later. That movie happened back in what, 2017, I think. And that was I mean, that's a top three film of his, in my opinion. So it's not that he has never done anything good since. But he has never met the level of greatness that he did with that first movie with Sixth Sense. So Mm -hmm. I do totally agree with that. Um, And I do totally agree that he is the absolute most inconsistent (laughs) because, I mean, when he's on, he's really on. But those misses are so huge, you know. So I, I definitely do see what you mean by that. But I mean, and I just think the thing that makes the Sixth Sense so great is it just felt like there was so much detail put into it. Like it didn't feel like it got lazy at the end or that it was just putting in a certain twist just to put it in, which happens with some of his other movies. You know, you feel like it was just carefully uh, thought out and how he wanted to do it. I mean, even when you go back, like I was talking about, you can go back and watch this movie and sort of see some of the things that you've missed. And I just remember when I first heard about like all the clues of, Oh, anytime there's a red, you know, something's about to take place or, you know, death is around or something, you know? And I just remember looking back on the movie after I, after I heard that and I was like, Oh my goodness, you're right. That's totally, there's red everywhere, you know? And I just thought it was so clever. And I just thought there was just so much attention to detail with little things like that in this movie, which is what makes it great. And I think another thing that makes it great is the fact that it is so rewatchable. And there's just something to be said for that because I have a lot of movies that I absolutely love that I can't necessarily rewatch all the time, you know? Um, But this is one of those that I can go back and be like, yep, this is still good. This is still, I mean, I agree that it doesn't necessarily hold up with, you know, some of the like plot holes and things like that. Like, nowadays it wouldn't hold up as well but I still think the movie holds up as a whole like I think if if I were to go to somebody who hasn't seen it or you know like a kid that's in high school now or something like that you know and be like hey watch this movie it's great or something I feel like it would still hold up I feel like even younger people who maybe haven't seen it would still look at it even though it's so old now (laughs) and be like yeah this is a good movie so and I just think that that speaks to how good this movie is and how, how well it's made. And that's what happens when you have thoughtfulness into what you're doing with your details of your movie, because I feel like so many movies try to do that real, like crazy twist to throw you off, but there's nothing that supports it or backs it up after that. Um, With this, it's like, Oh, you're right. Nobody did talk to Bruce Willis in this entire movie other than this kid. 
And, oh, you're right. Like, you know, he's you just all of these things that you see and you're like, yeah, it, it totally supports your twist that you did. And that is what made it so um, just ahead of its time or just so out out of like in its own league, I guess you could say. And I mean, we've all talked at length about how amazing <laughs> these performances are. And with a movie like this, I mean, you're not going to have it be as good as it is unless you have a Tony Collette and a Haley Joel Osment leading this. You know what I mean? And that's like, I mean, and like I said at the beginning, there's a reason that Haley Joel Osment was given an Oscar nom for his role in this movie and had to have been up until recently, I think the youngest, one of the youngest to ever be nominated, rightfully so. But I mean, and I just think that that speaks to it. I don't know if it even got any other award winning or Oscar stuff, but it definitely did for him. And totally that makes complete sense to me. But I just think there's so many iconic things about it. Like, yeah, everyone knows the line. I see dead people. Even if you know nothing else about this movie, I have a friend who um, I don't even remember if she's actually seen the movie, but she knows that part of it. (laughs) You know, she knows, Oh, that's obviously what's happening, you know? And you know, I just, I, it's, it's one of those where you, you just, you know what it is, even if you haven't seen it and it's, it's a cult and not even a cult classic at this point. And I, it sounds weird to call it a classic. I mean, but at this point it might be just in the, that genre. I just feel like it's, it's up there. It's one of the best. And it kind of redefined what like thriller suspense, like horror movies kind of should be in a sense. Um, and you're right. It was a little bit more misleading of it sounded like it was going to be a lot more of a horror movie than it was when they first kind of promoted it and all of that. But again, I didn't care that it wasn't <laughs> because what they did with it was so great that you just don't care anymore. You're like, nope, whatever you just did was amazing. So perfect. And it it's just one of those that you you just you never forget it. You never forget a movie like this. And um Yeah, it's I mean, I do think that it's obviously because it's almost like a pop culture thing now that people know what it is. It's easy to kind of poke fun at it or do like parodies of it and things like that. But again, that speaks to kind of the relevance that it has in film. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, there's not really anything else that I can say that we kind of haven't really already gone over at length about just so many good things about it. And again, it's not a flawless movie, but if we're talking like element of suspense and thriller type movies, it's super top notch in everything that it does. It's got, it plays all the right notes. It has all the elements that you're looking for when you want your mystery and you want your, your drama mixed in and you want your actual full circle story that does completely, you know, it finishes the story. It, it doesn't just leave you hanging. It doesn't have this like, wait, what about this element? Like, why was this put in there? It really kind of wraps everything up for you as to why it was in the movie, why it was important to put it in there. And it wraps up the stories of all the characters. And I think that that's excellent, you know, and a lot of movies, especially like horror movies or suspense movies, they don't always do that. So props to it. So yeah, that's, I just think it's a great movie and, 
it's going to be one of those that I'll always, if someone's looking for a good suspense movie, I'll always recommend this one. Yeah, I think it's fair to call it a classic. I think that, like you said, it's relevant enough. And man, that that line, I see dead people. Like you said, I mean, how many spoofs, how many uh, comedy shows, talk shows? Right. Um, man, I have seen that referenced so many times on so many different things, on so many different platforms, in so many different shows that it is just one of those timeless things that 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 and that's what makes something a classic you know it, it really th- to me that that's what defines it it's it's got to have yeah. some it's got to have something memorable and it's got to be something that people don't forget about and this does have that you know it has those elements yeah. to it the 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 twist was memorable the acting is memorable some of the best acting that these people ever did is in this yeah. movie. You know, that that line is is one of that's one of the most memorable cinema lines, not just in the horror genre, the suspense drama. That That's one of the most memorable lines in cinema. So, yeah, it's there. And then on top of that, like. Yeah, you know, we're 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 gonna pick it apart. We're cinema slayers. That's what we do. That's our identity, yada, yada, yada. But there's some genius level stuff in here too. You know, the stuff that yeah. we talked about with the characters and trying to connect. Uh the whole thing about seeing what you want to see, yeah, there may be some things that it doesn't explain, but the best thing about that concept is that we as an audience at that time, we as an audience saw what we wanted to see. In the movie. Yeah. You know, that's that true. that w- that's true about it too. You know, you're you're when you're looking at that dinner table scene, it's like what we saw was her ma- angry at him and you know, storming off saying happy anniversary and angry at him. But that wasn't anger towards him, it was grief. But we saw anger, you know. Yeah. Kind of because that's the way it you or the the scene that started with him in uh, Haley Joe Osmond's house and he's sitting there right next to the mom and you assume they were talking about uh, him Haley you know you assume that he was there sitting with the mom and maybe they were having a conversation but they didn't you know he was never there but we made assumptions too and that's what's great about the twist is because that theme is also part of what we did. And that's why the twist surprised us in the end. And yeah, you can go back and do armchair quarterback and go, oh, I, you know, this and that and this and that. And oh, we saw it. We should have saw it, this and that. But the brilliance of the film is that you didn't see it. And that's exactly, you know, what the message was, too. You see what you want to see sometimes, too. You don't always see the truth. And I mean, how many people just say that in actual life? You know, how many people, the term living a lie, that's some real shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And it's so. it's interesting because it's almost like that, um, like, I, I mean, there's, of course, there's the flaws and you think about like, okay, there's some things that just don't quite fit or, you know, but given 
what the actual twist is and what they're trying to do with this movie. It's almost like I was saying before in our, um, you know, favorite seasons of television thing when I was talking about loss, it's like it might have these elements that I don't like and that I'm like, you know, how do you explain this? But honestly, I don't know that they could have done this movie a better way. You know, even with those flaws, it's almost like, you know what? Like, it's so good that I just, I, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter, even though you're kind of like, eh, you could have probably cleaned that up a little. But honestly, I'm almost like, I don't know of a way that they could have done it better that would have made the movie better. You know what I mean? But it's, you're right. Cause it's like, yeah, there's these things, but also like, you know, does it really take away from the whole greatness of what it is? And that's, that is part of that brilliance of this movie. And yeah, that's, it's, it's just one of those where, um, and, and, and almost like you were saying too, like, I, I kind of think of it the same way I would have like Forrest Gump, where it's like, you don't have to see the movie to know how important it is, but you also don't have to see it to like, you know, the lines from it, you know, it's, it's one of those where, Everyone knows Forrest Gump. Everyone knows the box of chocolates line. And that's from Forrest Gump, even if you've never seen that movie, mm-hmm. you know, and I just think that that is like caliber status of an iconic movie. If it's got those lines that everyone knows what that's from, regardless of if you've seen it or not, or if you liked it or not, you know, oh, ironically, just thinking about it, Haley Joel Osment is in Forrest Gump too. I just remember that. But, um, but yeah, it's just like that high caliber of something about it sticks if everybody knows what this line is from you know what i mean so yeah no that's a very fair point and i mean i get what you're saying justin but like you know the monday morning quarterback type of situation like looking back on it can we really say this can we really say that and i mean i agree with that it's just i'm looking at it not necessarily from the lens of like knowing what happens i'm trying to look at it from the lens of I am an adult now watching this movie, <laughs> you know, like I'm not 14 anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm more or less comparing and contrasting me as an adult versus 14 year old me and my ability to catch on to certain things and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, honestly, really the only judge of how good this movie is, is if Sterling likes it and he hates Shyamalan more than anything. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. And like I said, I was, and And with that too, like my whole thing with it is, is like, I'm trying to look at this movie. Like if I was an adult, when this movie came out, would it have been as impactful? Does that make sense? Like, would this have surprised me as much? Would it have caught me off guard and this and that? And I know it caught off a lot of like caught off guard, like a lot of adults and all this other stuff, but I'm just trying to look at it through that lens of would I see this coming through or not? And so, yeah, that was my point with all that. Um, but I get it. I mean, it's and either way though, it's, it's so tough to judge because I mean, I've known what the end of this movie is for 22 years, you know? And yeah. So it's like how, how, what, like it's hard to separate out what's what, like, am I only noticing this because I know the end, you know, I do think my criticism of the whole notepad and stuff like that is valid because your movie can't work solely based on you not knowing the end every time you know what i mean your movie if your movie falls apart because you watch it a second time and you know the end that doesn't necessarily Mm. make it a good movie if you know even though you thought it was the first time 
Yep. If a second viewing ruins it, is it really that good? You know, and, yep. and, and like I said, though, but it also took me 22 years to catch some of these problems. So, you know, are they really problems with the movie or what? And But it's just still, it's one of those things that I noticed this time watching it. Like, that's the whole point of us doing this series and stuff like that is to go back and watch a lot of these movies and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe it doesn't hold up as well as it used to. But it still, I mean, it holds up a lot better than a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it holds up better yeah. than any other M. Night Shyamalan movie ever. <laughs> I mean, and if we're even talking that genre, too, I mean, it holds up better than Seven, you know? Like, just even other movies we've talked about on here, it definitely holds up mm-hmm. better than others. So yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, you guys got any more uh, or any other thoughts about this movie? I think I got it all out. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, on that note, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Simulslayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.simulslayers.com or Facebook where we're Simulslayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. Uh, give us a five-star rev- uh, review and rating or whatever you want to call it on whatever podcast app you listen to, especially if it allows you to do so. If it doesn't, I don't know, just tweet it out into the universe saying it's five stars. And uh, we've got a, kind of a jam-packed month coming your way with a lot of stuff um, coming out from all over the place. So just keep an eye out for all these new episodes coming your way. And just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. It was close. You almost went there, Heather. Oh, you almost went there. You're welcome, everybody. Uh huh.